what a joy to be with you. And uh, Sonny Hastings. Yeah. And uh, it really is a joy to be with you. I, I, um, I love going somewhere where God already is. You know, you can travel a lot and you minister a lot in different places. Um, sometimes you have to use a tremendous amount of imagination to believe that God was ever there, let alone still live. Um, it's true, but unfortunately. Um, but uh, here I can sense already that that is very different. And also in what God's been sharing with me over these uh, last few days, uh, I really felt a burden to intercede for you as a church. And um, as Mike has said, uh, I'm not here. I, I love teaching. I, I absolutely love it. Um, I run leadership programs and all sorts of stuff. Um, but I'm not here uh, to teach. Um, although I, my, my prophethood comes via the word most of the time. Um, but what I want you to do is listen with two sets of ears. And this set, you'll get principles, you'll get the word of God, you know, and it'll all do you good. But with this thing, the Holy Spirit is able to speak. And it could be a story, it could be a joke, it could be a scripture, it could be anything. But you really hungry, just say, God, let the Holy Ghost speak to me. I want the Holy Ghost to speak to me, you know. Um, now, so I'm just going to pray right now. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to, to be our personal instructor. He's the prophet. Let's receive from him. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, this morning for the honor, the privilege, the joy that it is to serve you. And, uh, Lord, as I come here today, Father, by your uh, appointment, then, Father, we can uh, expect with confidence, Father, that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. And we invite him now to be both prophet and teacher in our midst. Lord, to instruct us in your heartbeat, Father. Lord, that your mind, will, and intention be revealed accurately and fully, Father. Lord, that uh, over these next few days, Father, uh, your heartbeat will be revealed, your church strengthens, and Lord, your purposes are fulfilled. Father, we love you. We surrender all that we are to you. We give you alone the honor. In Jesus' lovely name, amen. Amen. Okay. Um, <laughs> good point. Um, I just, you see, the point is that um, I, I normally start with a Sunday morning and bring the heartbeat of what I feel God is saying to that church. He shows me visions and, and picture forms and don't get all, it's not spooky, spooky stuff. It's just like getting a video clip. But, um, and I just write it down. That's all. And when I've written it down, I deliver it. And then whatever ministry I do it comes out of that. And so uh, what came first was what's going to come almost last. Okay? Sunday morning was what God spoke to me first. All right? And out of that, uh, then realizing his intention, uh, you minister into that intention. So this morning and tonight and tomorrow night, uh, very uh, and Sunday night, are all part of building into God's intention. Um, and as Mike has very correctly said, listen to uh, it was a different set of ears. Okay. Um, the the overwhelming thing that I concluded, uh, although there are other specific. 
things that God wants me to mention Sunday morning, um, the, the, the uh, overwhelming impression that I got from God was that uh, he wanted uh, a church that would reveal his miraculous life. Um, now, the miraculous, the supernatural, um, but unfortunately over years and years, and I know nothing about you as a church at all, So, and I'm glad that I don't, um, because whatever I'm saying, I'm saying because I feel God has dropped it in, I have no human knowledge of your situation whatsoever, um, but it, it, the church in the western world, and even in the third world, really has limited the manifestation of the miraculous uh, to a very narrow field of expression, um, such as healings, uh, manifestation of the spirit in meetings, things of that nature. Now, whereas we desperately need that and we love that, but experiencing certain gift expressions is but a, a, a fraction of the miraculous life that we're all called to live if we're to accurately reflect Jesus, okay? Uh, and one of the things that I, uh, and by the way, we'll ramble all over the place, but that's the way it happens, okay? Um, but one of the things that we have to settle, it sounds so simple, but you would be amazed at how much it is under threat in the body of Christ right now, and that is that the miraculous is simply the expression of a person. Yes, uh, um, the supernatural is the expression of a person. It's either the devil or it's the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, and, and what I... I've got to be very careful with this. I don't want to... I have no idea what you believe on anything, so it's real scary for me, you know? Um, but and I don't want to lose you by saying something controversial in my first opening statement. Um, but but the, I see, I'm, I'm old enough to remember a time 400 years ago um, when, when people actually believed. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. I, I'm unbelievable, I know. But people actually believed that there were three members of the Godhead. Now, I can remember a time when people believed that. I do. I remember. It was way back there somewhere. Um, but, oh, I got your attention now. Good. Um, but, in recent times, we've become much more enlightened. And now we know that there's four. There's Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and the Anointing. Um, and, and so we have to be incredibly careful about the anointing because I have been in some circles over the last couple of decades which scare the life out of me because they have divorced quote unquote the anointing from the person of the Holy Spirit you see, there is only three members of the Godhead, not four, and none of them are an it. They're all people, okay, and the Holy Spirit is the supernatural expression of the Trinity. And when the Red Sea parted, what, what parted it? Well, the Holy Spirit parted it. He's the only supernatural expression of the Godhead on planet Earth. And so um, we have to get a hold of this because otherwise, otherwise, hear me, when, when you divorce the expression 
from the person, then you fall into the trap of believing that you can quote-unquote have the anointing regardless of your relationship with the person. And that's where we have got into dangerous territory over the years. And we have seen many, many great men of God and women of God who have flowed in a tremendous demonstration of the Spirit and the anointing who have ended up to corrupted vessels. They have ended up immoral and corrupt. And, I, and that has been a tragedy, and, and I've had to sort out a few of those. And I remember crying out to God one day. I said, I don't understand this one. Dear God, why is this so? And as clear as anything, God spoke to me and says, because they have divorced the expression from the person. They, they do not connect the quote-unquote the anointing from, uh, with, with the person of the Holy Spirit. But when you see that it's only the manifestation of the person, then you come to a conclusion that unfortunately has been lost in many areas, and that is in order to please God in the demonstration of the miraculous, one must be in harmony with the source. And the source is the person of the Holy Spirit. So we must be in harmony with the person to please God in the demonstration of the miraculous. And so none of that was on the notes. That just kind of bundled out there. Okay. Um, and so everything that I am experiencing in, in recent times with the supernatural and the miraculous, and uh, maybe a few stories will pop out from time to time over the weekend, um, uh, is because of a greater intimacy with the person. Uh, when the Holy Spirit possesses you completely then he can do with it with you completely anything he wants uh, and that's, that's when we really see the Christ made manifest um, and, um, so that, and that might well explain some of the expressions and things that I talk about during our time together um, and uh, we've got plenty of time haven't we we'll go for a while until everybody starts falling off the chair and then we'll give them a break that kind of thing is that alright because I, I feel like I'm almost pregnant here I need to get this stuff out Okay. I want us to turn to Acts chapter 4 and because uh, um, these are all just scribbled down notes that I've got here not even typed up because I really felt God just begin to speak to me about some stuff before coming and so um, Acts chapter 4 and uh, we'll travel through this in just one phrase in verse 8 then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them and the word filled there is um, it's a word like completely saturated, completely overwhelmed. Um, but I like what one translation said. It said, um, uh, fully supplied. Fully supplied. Peter, fully supplied by the Holy Spirit, began to speak. Okay? And... And then in verse 13, picking it up, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they must have been with Jesus. And 
seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Because they saw the evidence, they could say nothing against it. A man or a woman with an experience is not at the mercy of one with an argument. And when they had commanded them to get aside to the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle, supernatural expression, has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, no matter how much they wanted to, no matter how much un, uh, set opposed to them they were, they could not deny it. It wasn't that they didn't want to, they couldn't. It was too evident, okay? Um, now, friends, uh, only one conclusion could they come to. They must have been with Jesus. Uh, uh, and I want to say, and I, I was going to deliver this tonight, actually, and do something else this morning, uh, but just in the early hours this morning, I felt to reverse the order because I realized what God was saying to me was pretty foundational. And I thought, well, it's better to submit it to this group uh, rather than the wider one. Um, and so um, today, pastors and churches and leaders are chasing many things, and many of them are very, very valid, of course. But what is it that your people need to see the most? What is it that your community needs to see the most? What is it that your city needs to see the most? I do not believe that the answer to that has changed in 2,000 years. They need to see the Christ and the evidence that you have been with him. Now that's it. Now they can clap to our music and they can applaud our rhetoric and they can be amazed at our excellence, and they can even envy our buildings, but have they seen the Christ? And the evidence that you have been with him. Now, this could take an eternity to get through, because every time I get one line of my notes done, I find six others popping into my brain. Um, and I, this doesn't seem to have any relevance at all. But it scares me silly when people tell me, oh, I've got a deliverance ministry. And I know that they're either out of submission with a local church pastor or griping about a certain sister or brother down the road or not flowing in harmony with their marriage partner or have some other relationship of complication. That, that's a contradiction in terms. These things, the devil's not a fool. The devil knows that if you have ought against your brother, or you're not living a life of humility, purity, and truth, you don't hold the scepter in your hands, and he doesn't have to listen. Now, he doesn't mind entertaining you, by allowing you to think you've got that ministry because he ties you up and feeds your ego and does all sorts of stuff to corrupt the church but, he, but you don't have any power and authority other than what the scepter in your hand allows you to have and Jesus said, uh, the, Paul said right, Hebrews 1, 8, 9 that the scepter of my kingdom is a scepter of righteousness and a symbol of your authority and dominion is that you have purity of heart purity of motive 
purity of lifestyle and you're living in harmony with the purity of God who is the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, they need to see the class, uh, they need to see the Christ. Okay, now, the greatest weapon today against Satan's lies, against an immoral society, and against the deception of the Da Vinci Code, or a world of skepticism, or against Helen Clark, put it where you like, okay, sorry, but you know, she's not my top of the pops, okay, um, but our greatest weapon against an antichristal onslaught across our nations is not our professional excellence, although that is something to be desired. It is not a po our polished marketing of contemporary methods, and it's not our programs that are designed to please and to appeal. In 2,000 years, the greatest weapon of the church has never changed. It's quite simply the Christ being revealed. And, but the visitors to so many of the churches in the Western world, right now, certainly right across Australia, um, come to our services and they leave confused. Who is this Christ? They're confused. And it's a very, very good question, really, because the Christ of the Gospels mixed with harlots and sinners and showed them compassion. He healed lepers and cast out demons. He, he, he spent a lot of his time just revealing compassion for society, compassion for people, love for children, um, and he spent a lot of time in the marketplace uh, and, uh, of course, he spent the majority of time with his disciples, discipling people. But other than that, he showed a lot of compassion for people. Demonstration of that. Okay. Um, so, what is he supposed to look like, this Christ? What manner are we supposed to reveal him? In what manner are we supposed to reveal him? Well, God gave me three scriptures on this that I felt I had to download. And the first one is the one that we've read, uh, which is Acts 4.13. So let's just read that one again there. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they must have been with Jesus. So, so what was it that brought them to that conclusion? What was it about them that gave evidence of the Christ? Because I, I'm glad, this thing's recording, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and I'm going to get to the, answering that question in just a second. Um, but Mike, this, um, this phrase is going over my brain concerning you, um, the well digger. Um, and uh, it seems to me that the Lord is saying that there's a new aspect of your ministry uh, it's either developing or about to uh, which is really apostolic ministry in that you are going into situations in which there has been a well dug in former days but now has become dry and you are going in to redig the well and unstop the, the, the water that has ceased to flow. Uh, obviously speaking of the life of the Holy Spirit in that given situation. And when you go into certain situations, there you will find at times a brokenness of people, but at times, in fact, you've got one coming up not that long from now, whereby uh, a church... Um, uh, 
where someone outside of the church appeals to a group of elders and then they invite you to come in but as you are coming in you are met by resistance from certain board people and the Lord just saying that the whole crippling effect of that church has been a core people within that board and, and whereas they're going to give you all these other reasons why and they all sound logical and reasonable and no doubt had some sort of effect that God wants you to know that until you take the serpent's head off there's going to be no healing and there's uh, two or three board members who feel that they have rightfully got control of that environment and that church and you must have the courage to confront that because without their being dealt with um, the church cannot spring back into life and health. I feel that God's going to lead you Mike uh, in the years that lie ahead again and again and again and again and again to bring life and restoration to dry wells um, in a significant way. Um, uh, okay, what was I saying? Okay, Acts 4.13. Acts 4.13 is where I was, indeed, yeah. Um, you've got, uh, what's your name? Doug. 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 Um, uh, track shoes with no tread on them. Um, and can, can mean, I see these track shoes being taken off your feet. Um, and new ones being placed on and they got tread on them they got real tread on them and um, it's something about tread on track shoes and, and I looked at the other ones which have been well worn and they were very smooth on the bottom you know how they go and they lose the track and is that they didn't really they could slide around a lot and, didn't, and, and these track shoes that God was putting on you had really solid tread on them and it was like God was going to take you into a time of very structured um, gripping of principles gripping of the road and um, uh, very targeted in where God wanted you to go I believe that the next few months and the rest of this year is a time for you to be seeking God as to um, it's, it's like, how can I put it, uh, it's like he's bringing certain structures and principles to bear that, that, that um, it's like running with a pair of track shoes on that are smooth means feels, they feel good because they're all broken in, you're comfortable with them, you know, but, but when you hit the corners, you know, you know, slide out a bit, you know what I mean, you lose traction. And I felt God was going to put some principles and things inside of you that were going to give you solid, uh, increased traction. You're going to make greater mileage with less effort because of the principles that God begins to unfold. But you really, I see you with a diary. And I see a lot of things in the diary. And I see God kind of just crossing out a few. You, you need to create space to get alone to, to get crying out before God as well as crying before God and and because it's, 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 it's like a new season God wants to break in on your life with but you've got to be able to spend that time to focus and to cry out to him okay for these principles to be born okay um, now um, 
why, what was that brought them to the conclusion of Acts 4.13? Well, two things, spiritual authority and the message. You see, the fact of the matter was that both the way that Peter and John were speaking, the spiritual authority and the message was recognizable. People had seen that authority and that message before. Only once, but they had seen it before. And it was only ever seen once before. And that was in the man Christ Jesus. And the message and how it was delivered was identifiable. It had the hallmarks of the Christ upon it. And now, friends, the church today has so many tantalizing messages designed to attract, to please, to woo, to encourage attendance. But have we in the process stopped communicating the Christ and his message? You see, he preached against materialism. Do we? He preached against hypocrisy. Do we? He preached against pharisaical church politics. He and look at some of the things he did preach. He preached repentance, do we? He preached discipleship. Ooh, there's one. Discipleship. Discipleship. That's going to be a word that's going to come back into focus. That's right. That is coming back into focus. And, and it's going to come back into focus. Who's you for the table? Steve. Steve. Yeah, that, that word rings loud for you, Steve. Very loud for you. I believe that God wants to intensify a discipleship process in your own life, but then he wants to multiply it through your life. And I, I see you in an environment in which... I see you in an environment in which um, there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of uh, excitement, there's a lot of let's go grab it by the throat. Um, but I see uh, that you are sitting down with ones and not killing that, but you're speaking in life uh, and discipleship and saying, look, you cannot be that unless this gets sorted out, you do this, da-da-da-da, and you're bringing structure, you're bringing strategy into wow. these lives. Uh, um, but in order to run with the message, one must first be the message. And I feel that one of the things that God is going to unfold to you personally in a very real way is the principles of discipleship. What is God asking of us to be disciples? Okay, what does it really mean? What, what, a lot of people in this world want to be very few want to pay the price to be. Yes. And, and so, like 1 Corinthians 9, he that runs in the race will run. Everybody wants to receive the prize, but only one ever gets it. The one that is well disciplined in all areas of life. And so I believe God is speaking this into your spirit. Okay? And a ruthlessness concerning one's lifestyle, one's, uh, what takes up one's time, uh, priorities, all of these things. There has to come a ruthlessness without a striving. It's not a religious sweat thing. It is, it's a flowing, but the, but, but the degree of our discipline of our lifestyle will determine to what degree the Holy Spirit can actually possess us and use us. Okay. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, so, what did he preach? He preached discipleship. 
He preached spiritual authority over demons. He preached healing to the sick. He preached also self-denial. <laughs> That's not Pentecostal. He preached self-denial and the embracing of a cross. But it's part of what he preached. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. The word kingdom is the basileia, not an actual kingdom, but the authority and dominion to rule over kingdoms. So he preached a taking of spiritual dominion and authority. He preached about the necessity of pleasing the Father with a life of obedience, of purity and holiness and truth. And, fr and friends, we've got to get back to that. If we're going to come back to the, a... If we are ever going to be the church triumphant in the arena of the miraculous, we are going to have to come to grips again with the holiness and the purity of God. We, can, we cannot separate the Christ. The reason why he was anointed more than his fellows was according to Hebrews chapter 1, God the Father said to Jesus the Son, Your throne, O God, will rule forever. I anointed you more than your fellows because you loved righteousness and you hated iniquity. And we've lost our hatred of iniquity. We've lost it. We need to get it back. I've been in some environments just recently that have shocked me to the core of my marrow. A church that has had, uh, once was a great church in Australia and growing very, very steadily. And then about two or three years ago, it just plateaued out and it just hit a wall. And, nothing, it just, and they are looking for answers, looking for answers, looking for answers, looking for answers. And my wife and you, I'm not going to tell you what city is in there and all that, but my wife Margaret was asked to come in and speak to the ladies. And, uh, and so she said yes. And uh, I hope I don't lose too many people here this morning, but there you go. I've got to be honest. And just before Margaret got up to speak, the, the, the senior pastor's wife got up. And, and she and she was introducing Margaret, and then she stopped. She's, oh, no, it's just it's obviously a spontaneous thought. Ah, ah, everybody know what night it is. Oh, I hope somebody here is videoing the Desperate Housewives. And 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 Margaret just went, what? What? And 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 we. We had a chat with them the following week, and, and they were so angry, you have no idea. They went ballistic. We were very, very gracious in what we said, but they went absolutely ballistic, hurling all sorts of accusations about being religious and holy roller and all the rest of that sort of thing, and God doesn't care about all that sort of thing. Friends, you better believe he cares. He was grieved to the core of his marrow. The Holy Spirit had just walked straight out the church because he doesn't fight that stuff. It's as simple as that. And if you grieve the Holy Ghost, how can you then ask him to empower you for the fruit of his service? So, so one is... I have no idea what time I started, so you tell me when you need your break because I'll just keep going. Um, one is, do we communicate the message of the Christ? The second thing is, that had brought them to that conclusion, was, in Acts 4.13, was, was um, 
Oh, okay. What's your name again? Len. Len. Len, um, I just had a flash there of people um, coming in with wounds and sores and, and um, very obviously highly sensitive and didn't want anybody to touch them. Uh, and, and I saw you coming alongside of them and just 